Chicago's home for sports. Jay and Tyler on this NFL divisional round Saturday and Sunday. One of the best weekends of the year, Shay. Talking some no, NFL no, football best. with the you. The best weekend of the you year. You like this one more than next weekend? Yeah, this is the best. This this is great because it's two days worth of games. I with a new format, actually, I like what was it, two weekends ago where you get the NFL. And you get the college football championship because I kind of let that Monday count as my weekend. That is a long weekend in my book there. Yeah, but this weekend, is you know you have the Elite Eight teams. You know you have typically four really good games, even though we've got close to double-digit spreads in two but of the four. I will say this. The, the two double-digit spreads, the two teams that are near double-digit dogs, both nine-and-a-half-point dogs, are both fun. Yeah, that's right? true. Like, the Texans are fun. Oh, you're calling the Packers fun, pa- huh? Dude, this Packers team is fun. A like, little I, blood trader over here? I, I know that may be sacrilegious to say as a Bears fan, but if you can't look at this Packers team and see a fun team, then you're living with blinders on. Like, look at what they've done this year. And it's like, oh, it stings because it's the Packers. So you're it stings saying... because it's Jordan Love. But, like... I love watching Jordan Love play football. Oh I'm going to say it. I knew you I'm were going to go it. there. You can't say that. Sure I can. So the poor can Sylvie's going to walk out of that this? swing. Can I, can I say something? I don't hate the Packers as much as other people oh around here. Even I hate the Packers. I've, I've, I've been the nail in this rivalry. You know what their record? Like Aaron Rodgers went what? Like 26 and 4 against this team? Yeah, it looks- and I've lived like that is basically my formative years of watching football. It doesn't feel like a rivalry to me. And that's why I don't hate them. Is I just want my team to be good. I, I don't care much about the Packers. They've always been good since so, I've been alive. Since the year I was born, the Bears are 13-47 and 47 against the Packers since 1994. 13-47. Yeah. <laughs> I, I bet you the, the Bears you are very... not Because it's just like you accept fate. And I'm hoping that whatever quarterback decision is made with the Bears, it'll change the fate. But that's just the reality we live in right now. So that's unbelievable. Right. I feel like you are a traitor to your people. <laughs> I'm not. A, I, I, th- I, dude, I feel like a lot of people my age probably feel the same way. This is like if this is like respecting somebody. Somebody walks into your home, knocks your lights out, walks out with your girl, and you're like, you know what? Pretty Respect good guy. Knuckles. Pretty good guy. <laughs> I like him. It's initiative. <laughs> That's, that's what you just did. This guy just walked into your house, decked you, and left with your girl. And you're like, let's be friends. I'm not trying to be friends with them, but I can I can admit when I see good football. And when I watch the Packers, I see good football. And I think you could say the same. No, I, I will say the way that Matt LaFleur has clo- coached this team up. Mm-hmm. And like I, I mentioned this on Captain Jay Hood a couple months ago. Jordan Love is, it's almost indisputable at this point. He is better for this version of the Green Bay Packers than Aaron Rodgers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, We are at a point where, like, look, they scored more points than they did with Aaron Rodgers. They won more games than they did with Aaron Rodgers. They made the playoffs and won a playoff game with Jordan Love and not with Aaron Rodgers. On the road, too. 
So, like, you can take the two MVPs and shove them because this team is better with Jordan Love. Yeah. And that's just inarguable fact. So, Love's last nine games, I'm sure you've seen these stats everywhere. But and this is including the playoff game this last the 22 week. Twenty-two to one. Twenty twenty-one and one. Touchdown to interception. Twenty-four hundred yards. Seventy-one percent completion percentage and two rushing touchdowns. Like that's just stupid numbers. Yeah, he's playing incredible he's football, play, and, and he is elevating his receivers. His receivers are all just across the board. It feels like they're just all clones. Like, one of them steps up every single weekend and plays fantastic football and is making catches over the middle and high-pointing the football, whether it's Dobbs, whether it's Wicks, whether it's Jaden Reed. Who the hell is Bo Melton? We didn't know who that was until two weeks ago. Just to pull the curtain back, we don't really have a plan. We're just in here talking ball. Football Why don't we on. just let's dive into Green Bay and yeah. San Francisco? Because, like, you're bringing up Bo Melton, you're bringing up Jaden Reed and Dontavion Wicks, and they got Christian Watson healthy and Aaron Jones is healthy now. They're kind of operating on all cylinders. They're the version of the team that they want to be. I feel like a lot of that played into how they were able to bully the Cowboys. Is yeah. like go back and watch that game. Look at that game. Jaden Reed didn't catch a pass. Right at the end of the season, Jaden Reed was wr one up in Green Bay. Pretty clearly, too. Yeah, Jaden Reed didn't catch a single pass against the Cowboys. Mm-hmm. And you get Christian Watson back. You start running the offense through Christian Watson. You get. Uh, the tight end Musgrave, he's back. You Kraft start was using him more. When he was playing, Kraft developed into a really good player while Musgrave was out, and it just then you have Aaron Jones healthy. Like everything that they wanted to do was stuff that you wouldn't have found on film for the past three months. And so I think they went into Dallas as kind of a different team and were able to throw that haymaker. Now they go to Santa Clara against a better defense. And I think that San Francisco team and Kyle Shanahan able to see more of what LeFleur wants to do with his full complement of weaponry, you might be in trouble today. Right. And it feels like offensively that this Packers team is sort of a light version of what the Niners are, right? Just like weapons across the board, really good running back, even though they're different types of running backs. McCaffrey, more of a pass catcher. Um but you look across the board, and it's like you've, it's just weapons for days. They're not as good as the Niners' weapons. Like, they don't have a Debo Samuel. They don't have a Brandon Ayuk. They don't have a George Kittle. But that's why they're the light version. And this is the w- one game where I, like, the Niners, man, like, uh, especially against the NFC, just a wagon. Like, I mean, they got their doors blown off by the Ravens. All right. And I think there's something like 8-2 and two against the spread when they're favored by double digits. Like, they're nuts. Yeah, they're one of those teams where it felt like most of this season, Vegas couldn't make a number high enough for them at times. Like, they would be 13.5-point favorites. They would be 11.5-point favorites. They're 9.5, so effectively they're about 10-point favorites in this game. And it just, they've got the rest. And then we'll get it. You can get into the rest versus rust conversation there. But here's my thing with the Packers. This Packers team has gotten up for the biggest games on their schedule this season. They got up for the opener against Chicago when everyone was saying, oh, these two teams, these two franchises are ships uh, passing in the night because it was going to be the Justin Fields show. And Jordan Love, you have not shown us anything. And because of that, we're going to discount you here in week one. Nope. They went out and crushed them. Yeah. They go out to Detroit on Thanksgiving, dominate every second of that football game. In a game where they were getting disrespected all Mm -hmm. week. 
on a short week too. I believe they had a bad uh, loss the week or the the uh, the game before as well. Um, Kansas City Sunday Night Football got up, won that game. The Bears game end of the season for a, a win and get in scenario. They go out and won. The, I mean, it was seventeen nine, but. That was not reflective of the domination that the Packers imposed on the Bears that day. And then last week on the road in the wild card round against Dallas, a team who everyone says is the super juggernaut at home, and they were in the regular season, you got up and beat their ass for 60 minutes. I mean, we knew going in they were a fraud. But like going back to what you said about the 17-9 against the Bears, because I saw a lot of people, people called and asked, do you feel a little bit better about how the Bears lost in Lambeau after seeing what the Packers did to the Cowboys? No. Because the 17... All these games are independent of each other. And the 17 on the scoreboard is one of the fakest numbers you will ever see. Yeah. That team got close to eight yards per play. Like, that, they were doing whatever they wanted. They had two drop touchdowns. They effed up two field goal attempts. That could have easily been a 30. And you got lucky that it was a yeah. 17. And one of those... Uh, botched field goal attempts is the end of first half sequence too where i I was at the game so i didn't really see but like it felt like that rule was poorly enforced i don't know if you remember it was it correct no it was right it was right yeah because it was the the rule is if you're running backwards out of bounds the clock runs but i feel like i mean maybe it was just i had a bad vantage point from it but i feel like from where i was sitting it he wasn't running backward like he got knocked out no, he so. was going back because okay. I think he was That's running fair. like almost a comeback route, and then Tyreek mm-hmm. Stevenson just closed on him before he had a chance to turn up field and go out. All right, fair enough. But yeah, so I mean, looking at this game, and then on the other side, you've got the Niners, man. Like healthier, obviously McCaffrey hasn't played the last couple of weeks, so he can get healthy. But man, fresh Christian McCaffrey coming into this game—huge! Like that—that that is, I mean, that's kind of what's been the the Niners' magic. I feel like is. What's been the big bugaboo on all of Christian McCaffrey's career is the fact that he can't stay healthy. Well, ever since he got traded from the Panthers to the Niners, by some magic elixir, he's healthy, it feels like, all the time, except yeah. for meaningless games. Durable, and he's a touchdown a game. Right. You can, you can, yeah, exactly. Like he, He's a guy against this Green Bay defense who has played better as of late, but still, it, it's still a, a bottom seven or so defense, according to DVOA. This is a Packers defense that I feel like this is a bad matchup when you go up against an offense of this caliber. Do you have any worry about the Brock Purdy thing? A lot of people making a lot of the fact he hasn't played since week 17. He took the final week of the season off when they played the Rams. Sam Darnold got the start in that spot. Mm -hmm. Now you get the bye week. So basically, Brock Purdy gets two weeks off, comes back to face the Packers. Three weeks, comes back to face the Packers. Any concern? For me, I'm not worried about it at all because, I, frankly, I don't think Brock Purdy's very good. Like, Kyle Shanahan... But he may not have to be very good in this game. Exactly. Kyle okay. Shanahan's going to put him in place where we're going to get you single-read plays. The first read will be there because he's a genius. Mm-hmm. Just deliver the football. Yeah. like All of his production comes yards after the catch. Something like 52% of his yards this season were after the catch, which is a ridiculous number. Mm-hmm. And... You think about the weaponry that he has, the ability to hand it off to Christian McCaffrey, create play-action opportunities, the crossing routes, like five-yard passes to Debo Samuel that turn into 60-yard touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Just I don't think Brock Purdy ever needs to do a whole lot with what's given to him. I'm with you there. Like I would worry more 
probably about the Lamar rust factor than the Purdy rust factor, but that's just because Lamar is going to be asked to do yeah, he's way the focal more. Point. Like he is, yes, exactly. He is the point man of the entire offense. With Purdy, they make it a simple game for him, and it's just kind of all right. Serve it up here, get that read, and you know that Debo or Ayuk or Kittle or or McCaffrey are all going to be open. Lamar Jackson is LeBron James. Brock Purdy is Chauncey Billups. Everything around you needs to work. Mm-hmm. Just deliver it. I think for I, Lamar, though, yeah. everything has to run through you. I'll so go, the, the rust factor is a little. I, I I would go more of a like Steve Nash type. All right, like I I think he's better than Chauncey Billups. Well, when he, you get the point. Yeah, I get what but, you're okay, saying, so, but yes, yes. Yeah, so, I, I feel like people have tried to discredit Brock Purdy too much this season. I maybe me. And, I hate him. And, I don't think I know, he's real at all. I know you do. I know you don't hate. <laughs> I think he's or, incredibly I know you fake. Hate him. But I, I do think he is a little bit better than the, oh, total system offense. Like, sure, he's put in a favorable position, absolutely, but he's still going out and, and delivering it. And, That's and, him. And, well, you just hate Brock Purdy to hate Brock Purdy. No, I, I think he's fake. Like, I don't get it. Jimmy Garoppolo did the same thing, and everybody hated him. Brock Purdy Purdy's does it, doing and everybody it better. loves him. Purdy's doing it way Not better really. than, than Garoppolo was the, doing it. How many Super Bowls Purdy been to? He's, he's played in two seasons. This is his second season. <laughs> I know, it's, it's dishonest. But you get, like... It's not him for me. It's everything around him. And it's the fine. team. Like it, it's like when you I'm look at. I'm not saying he's some mega superstar. I'm just saying he's not a bottom of the barrel quarterback in the NFL. I feel like if you dropped him into any other situation, he would not change any other situation. Like if you dropped him onto the Bears, the Bears would still be the Bears. And if you dropped many other quarterbacks onto the Niners, they what would either be on, the same or better. What if you put him on the Packers? Yeah, I think they'd probably look about the same. You think they'd look about the same? I think or Brock Purdy. If I put Brock Purdy on the Packers, yeah, uh, they'd be much worse. Much worse? Yeah, I think so. I don't know if they'd be much worse. I think Jordan Love's incredible. I think here's the stat that I always go to, and I know people don't care about it because whatever. But PFF tracks turnover-worthy play yes, rate. I, I actually do like this stat, and I think it's a good one. And I know where he ranks. Or, like. Uh, ballpark where he ranks it's the percent of plays that pff based on the film deems should result in a turnover Mm -hmm. so dropped interceptions come into play here fumbles that your team recovers all that stuff the only quarterbacks that rank worse in this stat than brock purdy this is rate yeah okay justin fields Mm -hmm. geno smith Trevor Lawrence, who had a horrid turnover machine and turnover merchant. Gardner Minshew, Sam Howell, Josh Dobbs, Desmond Ritter, Mac Jones. Those are the only quarterbacks worse at this than Brock Purdy. But Brock Purdy gets the fewest drops in the league. He gets the most yards after catch in the league. It's everything around him. And I think, too, the... The Ravens game was just kind of a regression to the mean game because, like, you had tip passes and, and drop passes and all that stuff with the interceptions in that game, and he looked awful. He looked terrible. Now, but all it, of that said, I do think they're going to pound the Packers. Today. Yeah, I, I I think this has the most potential to be just a turn it off early game. Like, I mean, you and I won't turn it off early because. We, We'll watch We're 60 sickos. minutes of football. <laughs> it doesn't matter what the score is. Dude, there's only uh, seven of these things left. Exactly. I'm going to cherish every moment. When we get to June and all we have to watch is baseball, you're going to wish you could have a blowout Mac game, right? Like That's where we're, we're going to be. But, yeah, I, I'm excited. For, I mean, 
you can make a case for all four of these games from an excitement level because I think all of them have the potential to live up to it. And who knows? Maybe the Packers show up in this game, right? Like, and like nine and a half's the spread. Very easily could be a backdoor cover as well by the Packers. We'll get to some picks as well later on in the show. But I look at this Packers team and it's just like the games that they shouldn't be in are the ones they find themselves in. And the games that they should be walking away with and just dominating are the ones that they somehow find a way to lose. And like I, I always flash back to that Ravens game or uh, not Ravens, uh, the Raiders game on Monday Night Football. It's like. That's when we, as Bears fans and football fans, are like, oh, this Jordan Love guy really ain't it. But boy, has he flipped a switch, and he's gone out and won big games. Yeah, and I think part of that, like, I saw somebody have the take earlier this week, and I, apologies, I can't remember who you are. I was trying to, like, back pocket this, that Jordan Love had the advantage of there wasn't a lot of film, and he was able to play free this year, next year, in the sophomore starting season when there's more film on it. No, stop. Stop. He's gotten better as the films come out. I have to, like, I was one of the people leading the charge on Jordan Love. He's just not going to be good. It's not there. We've seen him play. It's looked terrible. And then he had that stretch early in the season. It was like two touchdowns to seven interceptions over a four-game span. And I'm victory lapping because I'm like, this. <laughs> he's terrible. And then the switch flipped, and he started everything making sense for him. He felt comfortable in Matt LaFleur's offense, and Matt LaFleur is able to run the offense he actually wants to run right. with a quarterback who won't freelance, and he's become incredible. And I like I just have to eat crow because I think Jordan Love, the way he's played for the last 10 weeks, that's an elite quarterback. Yep. 312-332-3776 if you want to talk ball with us. We'll get to more of the matchups coming up next. Tyler Aki, Shay Norling, talking football with you on ESPN 1000. ESPN Chicago on FM 100.3 HD2, the ESPN Chicago app, and ESPN 1000. ESPN 1000, Tyler Rocky and Shay Norling. You want to join us? 312-332-3776. Previewing the weekend of the NFL playoffs. We'll also get to a little bit of Bears later on in the show. And I've got a personal dilemma I need to run by you. I don't think you're going to be very happy with me. Yeah, I'm excited about this. <laughs> we'll do that at 10 o'clock. Um, let's get into the other game on today's slate. The first game that kicks us off. It feels like Houston is the, the opening act. For a lot of playoffs, whether it's the wild card round, whether it's the divisional round, it feels like it's always leading off with the Houston Texans when they're in the playoffs and they meet the Baltimore Ravens today as the Ravens, a nine and a half home favorite. These two teams did meet in week one. Baltimore won that game 25 to nine. It's actually one of three games, though, this season that the presumed MVP, Lamar Jackson, did not account for a single touchdown in that game. It's his second lowest passing yards output in that game. C.J. Stroud also did not throw for a a touchdown in that game. And we've just kind of seen both of these guys elevate their games significantly since they first met in week one. Yeah, and that game was, what, five months ago? So don't really care. Mm -hmm. Throw it out. These are two totally different teams now. Like that was Lamar in the very first week of a brand new offense that totally changed the way that he approaches the game of football. Like, no more are we going to do the zone reads and the full shotgun. We're going to get you under center. We're going to get you into deep dropbacks. This is a vertical offense now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so 
I think as the season went on, Lamar got much better at running that style of offense. Like, Lamar, early in the season, was good, not great. And then there was a moment for him, like the middle part of the year, where things switched back on. And it was like, okay, now he's totally comfortable in Todd Munkin's offense, and suddenly the Ravens are a juggernaut. And it just felt like with the defense that they have, sort of similar to the Texans and the fact that like C.J. Stroud started great and then continued to be great, like Lamar's been great all year, but there was a moment for me where it's like now he's fully comfortable running the offense that Todd Munkin wants to run. They get everybody involved. They spread the ball around as much as anyone, which is something they haven't done in the past. Zay well, they Flowers, haven't had the weapons or the depth to do of it. Of course. And, and like, they finally Willie built Sneed it. was their top receiver. Right. Now you've, they're get, maybe getting Mark Andrews healthy today. It seems like he's not going to be active today. So, But he'll be but, active next week but if you Isaiah win. likely has been I, all uh, that and more. Dude, is there something to be said about teams like when the tight end goes down? To have a young tight end behind him, and this is not my Bears should draft Brock Bowers because you shouldn't. Like you already have a tight end on the roster making close to fifteen million a year. You can't draft a tight end in the top ten. You can't do it. But there is something to be said for what Green Bay did with uh, Tucker Craft. Tucker Craft mm-hmm. having him behind Luke Musgrave. When Luke Musgrave goes down, Tucker Craft comes in and gets a chance to develop. Now Musgrave's healthy, and all of a sudden you have a two tight end attack. Yeah. Same thing with Baltimore. Mark Andrews goes down, and you've got Isaiah Likely, who they drafted a couple years ago, and Isaiah Likely turns into a really good player, finally starts developing into a high-end tight end. Now you have a two-tight end attack whenever you get Mark Andrews back. So it's really there is something to be said for how much more dynamic you can make your offense having a player like that ready to fill in and develop when the starter goes down. Right. And you look, I mean... Look at the kind of the common thread across all of the playoffs right now. I mean, a lot of really good and a lot of really young tight ends in mm-hmm. these playoffs here. I mean, Houston, uh, not young, but Dalton Schultz is a quality tight end. Sam Laporta might be the Sam best Laporta tight end in might, football. Yes, he, he's playing like it right now. And, I mean, say what you want about Travis Kelsey and the down year he's having, but he's still Travis Kelsey. Teams still have to account for him. The Buffalo Bills with Kincaid and Knox. I mean, that is... It's same thing, by the way. Like Knox gets hurt, and Dalton yes, and Kincaid, Kincaid comes out of nowhere, mm-hmm. develops into a legit player. Yes, and then obviously in San Francisco with George Kittle, like, and we we brought up the Packers and what they have. Like that is one of the things that you need in the modern day of offense, and that's why I think teams are looking at Brock Bowers in this upcoming draft and are so infatuated by him because. He is a wide receiver who just happens to to line up on the line sometimes. But, but you'll see him split out wide and all that. Yeah. And there is an infatuation there. And I'm with you. The The Bears shouldn't be a team looking at drafting him. But you want to go in like the third or fourth round and maybe try to find someone there? Be Absolutely. my guess. I think that, that's your way to go. I think, but where point. did the Lions get Laporta? Second round? I believe so. And yeah. he's, he might be the best tight end in football. They got him in the second round yeah. a year ago. Gronk, second round pick. Mm-hmm. Like Travis Kelsey. Kelsey was a fourth or yeah. fifth. The Kittle was a fifth. And when you take him in the top ten, you know what happens? You get Eric Ebron. You get Kyle Pitts. It well, just, I don't know if I'm ready to blame Kyle Pitts for everything that's happening. But, but I don't know if I'm not. Like I had this conversation with Cap, too. I haven't seen Kyle Pitts play. Like He doesn't get used. I yeah. don't know if he's good or not. But he does do some spectacular stuff when he does make plays. When he does get opportunities, sure. But just, 
I, it always makes me wary, man. The top 10 tight ends almost never pan out. Yeah. All right, but getting back into this game, so just like for San Francisco, Baltimore playing its first game in three weeks because they sat all the starters for week 18. Um, no Marlon Humphrey in this game. It doesn't look like Mark Andrews is going to play either. Those are significant injuries, but this is still a Ravens team that has overcome a lot of those. I mean, you look at the last two games that they played, the last two like real games that they played, 56 to 10 against the Dolphins and also the the victory against the uh, 49ers on Christmas as well. Like these were absolute throttlings of teams and they put their foot on the gas to close out the year and establish themselves as the best team in football. And I think as good as the offense was in those games, when you look at the 33 against the Niners, the 56 against yeah. Miami, as good as the offense was, the story for the Ravens has been their defense. Number one, I believe, in points. Number one in yards per game. They get 60 sacks on the season, and I think half of them came on simulated pressure, which just tells you you have a coordinator that is confusing the hell out of opposing offenses. Like Marlon Humphrey, not going to play today. Good player, not a great player. Doesn't really move how I feel about the Ravens in this game. No, nor sh- I mean, it feels like the Ravens have been expendable at a lot of positions. I'm actually, like for me, I think Cinderella's overserved a bit. Oh. Time to get in the Uber and go home. And that's the Houston Texans. Here's the thing about Houston is I don't think you'll see C.J. Stroud put the ball in harm's way. Like he's only thrown five interceptions this season. Three of them came in a single game against the Cardinals, where they were dominant. I think the, oh, um, look at final score was twenty-one to sixteen, but that wasn't. It's right. one of those games where that wasn't a true indication of what the final and the domination of that game was. And I, I don't know, man. Like I keep watching C.J. Stroud, and I may be just too drunk on the Kool Aid at this point. But oh, if he were to go out and win today, it puts him on the Patrick Mahomes level fast track. Oh yeah, absolutely. To, like. Going he may out, already be on that. I don't know if he, he needs might, a win today. But but going at going out and winning one today, like we're talking about something. It may supersede what Mahomes is doing from that. Like you're talking about back to back victories in the playoffs. One coming on the road. You're an underdog in both games, and you look at the cast of characters around him, and it's nothing super impressive. Like he, he's another one of those guys. He's a vel. A, elevating the guys that are around him. I just wonder if what they did last week is repeatable. Like, you're right. Nico Collins was a nothing. He ne- had 400 yards last year. Nico, over 1,000 this year. Nico Collins this season had more catches than in his first two seasons combined. He was a nothing. C.J. Stroud has turned him into a something. Mm-hmm. Same thing. Like, Noah Brown, cast off from the Cowboys, yeah. has become a serviceable player He's out today, I believe. in Houston. Yeah. Uh, it was... Again, a guy who's out, Tank Dell, third-round pick, who C.J. Stroud had to campaign to his team to select and popped. And I think a lot of that is it, they're not the most talented players, and they have an elite quarterback raising their level of play. But I look at what happened last week, and 10-7 game going into the second quarter where Joe Flacco exploded. Mm-hmm. Two pick sixes, game's over. They only threw the ball 21 times. Yeah. I wonder, like, now that you're not indoors in your dome on your fast track and you got to go up to M&T Bank, one of the most hostile places to play, and I know because I've been there for a game when I was an opposing fan, it ain't fun. <laughs> you go to one of the most hostile yeah. environments in the league, 
outdoors, sub 30 degrees. You're not going to be playing from ahead and able to ball control your way through this. You're going to need to throw the ball 40 times. And I don't know if that's the recipe for success for them. I will say this, though. And again, it's a little flawed, but like CJ Stroud, like I don't think he'll be bothered by the cold. Like CJ Stroud played at Ohio State. Sure. Plenty, plenty of cold Big Ten November gray games, right? Um, he's played like at the big house. He's been in hostile environments before. I don't know if any, like, it just feels like he's one of these guys who's unfazed by these big moments yeah. at this point. And I mean, he, he's my favorite player to watch in the league right now outside of Patrick Mahomes. Like, this is my guy. And I like, I'm hitching the wagon and I'm going to love the ride. With, I, I already know I'm going to bet him for MVP next year. I already know I'm going to do that. And it's just like I'm in really enjoy. I I am hoping the ride doesn't end today because I enjoy watching this guy play football so much. I have a stat for you that is guiding me and how I will select the winner and the team to cover the spread in this game. And I will tell you at ten thirty. Sounds good. All right. When we come back, we'll get into the other two games that we have yet to touch, including the Lions. Shay Norling into Sunday. Where the Lions will host Tampa Bay with Shay Norling and his daddy. Okay. Shay, going to Detroit. We'll talk about it when we come back. This is ESPN Chicago, Chicago's home for sports. What is ESPN doing right now? This is so dumb. ESPN. Right now on Sports Center is running a package where they're showcasing Aaron Rodgers and Colin Kaepernick in past Packers Niners playoff but games. No, no, no. It's this is the Aaron Rodgers slobber fest here. They showed because Aaron Rodgers as a baby in a in Niners, Niners shirt. gear uh, and the draft day stuff. There, there's the infamous story like he, he wants to be a Niner. He's from the area. He's not playing in the game. This is, finally, thank you. Now they've got Jordan Love and Brock Purdy. Like, the thing that aggravates me about the way that they're billing it through Aaron Rodgers leaving Green Bay, the playoff game a couple seasons ago in the snow when the Packers fell on their face and Rodgers played horribly. He did. Like, everyone played horribly in that game, but Jimmy G wasn't great either. But you want to, like, go bring that up and show the clips from it. There is an incredible quarterback storyline on both sides of the football. In this game, this year, show me Jordan Love, who flipped the switch and became an elite quarterback. Show me Brock Purdy, who is Mr. Irrelevant, the final pick in the draft, and is leading the number one seed in the NFC. And is a finalist for MVP. And even though I think he's fake, it's an incredible story. We don't need to hear about Aaron Rodgers versus Colin Kaepernick circa 2012. No one cares. No. Especially the Rodgers. Like, it's over. Get them out. 312-332-3776. If you want to talk a little bit of football with us, we're previewing all of the divisional round games here on ESPN 1000. Tyler Aki and Shea Norland. Let's go to the game that Shea and his daddy will be attending. Into Sunday, where the Lions will host Tampa Bay with Shea Norling and his daddy. Daddy likey. Oh, God. So we've got the Detroit <laughs> Lions. Cap. Hosting not one, but two playoff games in this year's playoffs. And they are a six and a half point favorite against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 
This Lions team just keeps finding ways to win. And they go out against Matthew Stafford last week. They win that one, a one-point victory for for the Lions. And I wonder if they'll be able to get away with the field goal stuff that, like, it felt like Sean McVay kind of tucked his tail between his legs a couple times in that game. If, if, was it your first time watching Sean McVay? <laughs> like, I'm thinking of the, the James Franco uh, with the noose. First time? First time. Sean McVay always does that. Always. It's it, Look, I respect the hell out of McVay. He's an incredible offensive mind. He designs amazing offenses. He's an incredible scheme guy. He's a good leader. But when it comes to the playoff moments and late-game decision-making, he is atrocious consistently. The, the timeouts weren't really his fault. I can't say that the two timeouts that got taken early in the second half were his fault. That was crowd noise. They completely confused the Rams' offensive line and Matthew Stafford. They couldn't get their signals in. They had to call timeouts. That's not McVay's fault. What is McVay's fault is choosing to not use any of his timeouts at the end of the first half when he had the football given to him off of one of the worst officiating calls you will see where it was a clear neutral zone infraction by the the Rams and got called false start on the Lions, forced the Lions to punt. Rams have the football and one of the best pass attacks in the NFL, get positive yards on the first play, and McVay is staring across the field playing timeout chicken with Dan Campbell. Just call your timeout. You have a chance to take control of the game back. You get the ball back to start the second half. You have Matthew Stafford, Puka Nakua, and Cooper Cup drive down the field and kick a field goal. Made no sense. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the game... Settling in the red zone four field goals as often as he did. I thought fourth the eight yards, fourth and eight. Sorry, man. 24-20. I know eight yards is low percentage, but you have to go. What was the Thursday night game that they played late in the season? I'm trying to remember who it was against, but it felt like that. Maybe it was the Raiders or something. Like It felt like that. It felt like they were they could have put their foot on the gas in, in some of those moments. And... and I don't get it. Like, it'd be one thing if you had a young quarterback or if it was like last year and you had to substitute Baker Mayfield in in a pinch. If Stafford, like Stafford was playing banged up, but Stafford has always played banged yeah, up. Yeah, but like Stafford has been playing tremendous football ever since he came back from the injury as well. And the fact that he didn't trust Matthew Stafford in some of these moments where Matthew Stafford has taken you to a Super Bowl and won you a Super Bowl. Your only ring. Like, I would have expected a little bit more trust in a guy like Matthew Stafford in some of those big moments. The the 24-20 field goal was the one that really just shocked me. And I remember when it happened, I texted my dad and I said, that is one of the worst decisions you can possibly make as a head coach. Because it doesn't help you. You still have to get the ball back and you still have to score again. They did get the ball back, but then they get down into... Plus territory, and from their Lions forty-four yard line, they choose to punt again. Yeah. I get it. I had more qualms with the punt than I did the uh, the field goal. Fourth and fourteen, even more low percentage than fourth and eight. And yes, you did just get screwed by another bad officiating call. Newsflash: the NFL has a referee problem. Mm-hmm. Everybody gets screwed. Sorry, I'm not going to weep for the Lions. Like. 
it's about time the Lions were on the right side of a call, frankly. They got screwed in Dallas. They got screwed here 20 years ago. They got, they've been screwed left and right more than any team in the league. So I'm not weeping for the Rams that they didn't get a call at the end of the game against a team that has consistently been on the wrong side of that. Whatever. It happens. The NFL is an issue. But 4th and 14, sorry, man, you got to go. Doesn't matter where on the field you give the ball back to the Lions. Two first downs end the game. Mm-hmm. What happened? Two first downs, yeah. game over. Mm-hmm. And Good night. Yes. And the Lions have found something with their running game as well. Like, all, all of this... Yeah, like, I didn't understand that decision there. You know what? I, like the, the fourth and the 14, like, you have two high-level receivers. You, you, like, Puka Nakua has been fantastic this year. Cooper Cup has been Mr. Reliable ever since he got into a Sean McVay system. Like, all of that stuff combined together, fourth and 14, for some of these teams, and I, I lumped the Rams into it, the, the conversation Fourth and 14 is not as daunting as it looks. Fourth and 14 for the Rams is very attainable. Like, they are in a class of of high-functioning offenses where you have third and long, you have fourth and whatever, and the game's not over. The The drive is not over because you have confidence that they can go out and get and execute on those drives. Yeah, and credit to Dan Gamble because that's the opposite side of things it's like it was it was two coaches who could not have been more different and i think it worked for campbell who chose to roll the dice way more often go for it on the fourth downs like the difference in the game honestly was the fourth and goal touchdown to sam laporta if you kick a field goal in that spot you lose right that that was the difference in the game the lions went for it and they got the touchdown the rams kicked field goals and the team that kicked field goals lost yeah and that's how you have to play January and ultimately February football, as you know that, especially when you're going into some of these matchups, too. I think the Lions are one of them. Obviously, when you play a team like the Niners or the Ravens, you cannot settle for threes. You have to go out and get six. And and, and you have to trust your quarterback in big moments. Yes. Because the other moment that Dan Campbell did something no other coach in the league would have done. I mean, 31 of 32 coaches run the football. Second and nine. Mm-hmm. At, with and a chance to end the game, yep. you put the faith in the quarterback who brought you here mm-hmm. and the wide receiver who brought you here, your horse, Amon Ross St. Brown, mm-hmm. and you just tell him, go, get open, we're going to throw you a strike, that's the ball game. Yeah, and w- you have plays in your playbook that you just trust to execute on, in situations like that. On the other side here, you've got a quarterback that's fearless. Like Baker Mayfield. Oh, I love him. And listen, I was, I, I'll admit, I was a Baker hater. When, when he came out of college, I didn't think it was going to work out with the Browns. It obviously had a sour end there, but he has rejuvenated his career and made himself a lot of money with the performance that he's put together with the Bucks this season. You look back at the last six games, including the playoff game, he has a 13-2 touchdown to interception rate. He's thrown for about, 1500, or about 1,600 yards, and he's also run in a touchdown as well. Like, this is a guy playing high-level football, and... He's, I mean, he's going to go out and get paid. I don't know if it's going to be by the Bucks or what. Like, this could be a Geno Smith situation where uh, we're just going to kind of try to see what we have. It's probably a tank here. And then all of a sudden, you may have found your quarterback. Yep. Or, and, and I like this situation a lot more than I like the Geno situation out west. I would say it's more of a Detroit Lions situation where we're going to move off of a quarterback. Not by choice, obviously, in Tampa. But, like, you moved off of a quarterback who was a great in your organization. Tom Brady wasn't there long, but he won him a Super Bowl. Right. All-time great, great in that organization. 
and you figure, okay, we're going to be down this year. We'll bring in Baker. We'll see what happens. That's the Lions bringing in Goff, and lo and behold, you have found your franchise quarterback. Dude, I've always thought Baker's a player in this league. Always. He went into Cleveland. He finished second in Offensive Rookie of the Year voting. He won six. He went six and seven in the games that he started on a team that was 0-16. Mm-hmm. Second season, sophomore slump. Third season, one of the best quarterback seasons in the history of the Cleveland Browns and a road playoff win. And then they made him play through one of the worst shoulder injuries you will ever see. He could not throw the ball. Yeah. And Baker, he's tough as hell. He will never tell you he's not going to play. And the Browns didn't tell him to stop playing. And then they shipped him out for a monster human being who also may not be very good at football. And now Baker finally, after playing on three teams last year, gets to go to a place where he can just be free. Turns out he's a hell of a quarterback. Yeah. There's a reason he was number one overall pick. He always was. Uh, I ask you. Will he be the quarterback of the Tampa Bay Bucks next yes. year? I think he's going to get a five-year deal. I think he's going to get like five for one eighty. I think wow. he's going to get paid. That's that's pretty big. I don't know if he'll get to one eighty, but I look at Baker. This is a guy who has never made excuses in his career. Like he's been undersized. He's been counted out. He was a walk-on to start his college career, and he gets dumped into one of the biggest disappointments and dumpster organizations in all of professional sports in the Cleveland Browns. He gets called out by his top receiver time and time again in Odell Beckham Jr. And then he goes out and he plays that game for the Rams last year. And he, well, that was a Thursday game, if I'm remembering correctly. He gets flown in on Tuesday, doesn't make any excuses, goes out and wins the football game as an underdog. He's a gamer, man. And, And then this season where... They brought him in to just kind of be a holdover quarterback. Maybe we end up with the first or a top five pick, and then we can move on and draft our guy for the future. No, you may have stumbled into the, your guy for the future here with the way that he's played football these last couple of weeks I'm and, and this whole you, season, really. I'm not telling you he's a lead or anything, but I always have thought that Baker Mayfield has gotten a really tough rap. The commercials people hated because, oh, you got to play better. I will say, fantastic commercial actor. He's great. I, dude, I think he's honestly one of the most likable guys in the league. And I think people... He went from... I think... Well, there was obviously a villain component to him. And I think he's completely shed that. Yeah, I just he's a fantastic story. He's fun to watch. He's tough as nails. I just... I feel like he's one of the most likable guys in the league. Frankly, he's the first prospect that I like when I was growing up. He was the first one that I really followed and really liked. And then I was, like, so hopeful for him in the NFL, and it didn't work out as I thought it would. Mm -hmm. But now I'm just so happy to see this guy having success. Like, I'm thrilled for him, and I can't wait to see him live on Sunday. Yeah, 312-332-3776. I want to talk about your experience. You're going up to Detroit. You're driving up north after the show is over. So I want to talk to you about your experience that you're about to have this weekend. It's all coming up next here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's Home for Sports, ESPN Chicago. Yeah, you are. 
north right after the show is over up to your is it north or east it's both it feels more east i mean it's both north and east you're All going right. you're going both ways anyway you're going back careful. to the mitten <laughs> you're going back to the mitten where on the mitten are you the mitten which way is it so th- this way is mm-hmm. opposite for you though right so it's no right? no no you had it right you had it right i think Right? No, that's backwards. That backwards. If you're looking at it this way, it's backwards. Oh, no, yeah, you're right, you're right, you're right. Right here. Okay, so you're going to, like, lower thumb. Yeah, right in Detroit. Lower thumb. I'm going to Detroit. Lower thumb. Correct. Lower thumb, Michigan. Um, you're So you're going to the Lions game. Yes. And, dude, like, these are some of the experiences I get, like, sports FOMO for. When it's, like, fan base that has sort of been beaten down. But you have these great moments to be in the stadium. I always feel this way, too. I get two sports FOMOs. It's that. And also, anytime there's a giant college upset. Yep. And you see, not necessarily like every court storming or every field storming, but like the ones that you can tell mean something. Like, I think Potsy was at one this year when Kansas won against Oklahoma. Like, that was a f- sports FOMO moment. Last year, when Tennessee beat Bama, that was a sports FOMO the moment for me. Post getting yeah. ripped out. Into the, into the river. So you're going yeah. to, uh, tomorrow. I'm excited, man. Like, growing up there... You're not even a Lions fan. Like, not really, they're not, not your number really, one I team. I didn't grow up like as a huge Lions fan, but I grew up there, and I know what the fans of that team have been through. And, like, frankly, there is nobody that deserves this more than that fan base who has stood by a team that has been a complete joke. From ownership on down, it has just been an utter embarrassment until the last three seasons. And for that fan base to have this moment, my dad, who did grow Your up daddy, a fan. Daddy. I'm not saying that. Uh, he did grow up a fan. Game like the Sunday, where the Lions will host Tampa Bay with Shane Norling and his daddy. Daddy likey. I was, I was talking with him all week, and the price point to go to this game was a little absurd. Mm-hmm. And it's the most expensive divisional round ticket in NFL history. Which is wild. Doesn't it makes sense? I would say though. But my argument is always like, look at Philadelphia. Philadelphia was in the Super Bowl last year. This year, their season ended horribly, and they were one and done on the road in the playoffs against Tampa Bay. Both their coordinators left for head coaching gigs, which is going to happen to the Lions this off season. Mm-hmm. And you just kind of go, there is zero guarantee that they will ever. Be back here. So in the grand scheme of things, what is a pile of money to go to this game that may never happen again and be a part of this fan base in in that city and enjoy that moment? You may never get this opportunity again. Lord, they should know better than anybody. It was 30 years since they've been to this spot. Right. So you just go eat it and go. And I'm excited, man. Everybody's telling me that it, it it set multiple Ford Field records for decibel level. It was the loudest Ford Field has ever been four separate times on Sunday night against the Rams. I imagine it will be as loud, if not louder, for this game, even though the opponent doesn't have quite the same storyline behind it. But it's the divisional round, man. It's a chance to go to the NFC Championship yeah. game for a fan base that hasn't seen that in 30-plus years. So I just think it's going to be cool to be a part of that moment. Yeah. Uh, it, listen, it sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm happy for you. It's going to be a lot of fun. Like that, that, that whole city, like that's a day experience because they're the two o'clock game, two thirty, I believe, is the, the yeah, time slot uh, for them. Three o'clock Eastern. Three, yeah. 
but like that is a that is a day, full day experience. Yeah, it feels like. we're going downtown at nine a.m. We'll be downtown until the game ends at seven. That's awesome. It's going to be great. That is football nirvana. All right, when we come back, we do have the Chiefs and Bills game, maybe the headliner game of the entire weekend. We'll get to that, and I've got my personal dilemma that circles around this game. I am so ashamed of you. I, I don't will, even know what it is, but I'm ashamed of you. I will deliver that when we come back. Tyler Rocky, Shane Norling, talking ball with you here on ESPN 1000. This is Chicago's home for sports, ESPN Chicago.